0: Well, welcome, everybody. I'm really excited for this next edition of the Principal's Office Podcast because I have one of the best uh, heads of schools, executive directors that I've ever um, worked with and been a privilege to work alongside. Uh, but she's just an amazing human being, uh, most of all. So I know you're going to love this episode. Uh, Jennifer Killen, she is the executive director at Piedmont Community Charter School, which is in Gastonia, right outside of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, she's going to take us through her uh, journey, uh, through education, and, and maybe talk about the penance that she has over her, her right, you know, shoulders. They're really, really proud of those opportunities if you're watching us on YouTube. And uh, the reason why I wanted Jennifer to um, share with you all is, you know, because she is an individual um, who, first of all, understands that leadership is not a title. It's not a position. It's about influence. It's about serving others. But she's also grown in one organization um, from being a teacher to an administrator to, you know, a growing this, this you know, school. It's almost, I think, almost a double the population. So we'll learn more about that uh, in that time. But, you know, Jennifer, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, adding value to everybody uh, today and um, whether you're um, uh, a teacher, or an administrator, or a community member, you're going to get extreme value out of learning from Jennifer today.
1: Well, thank you, Tom. It's an honor to to be here.
0: Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about about the school first? Tell us about Piedmont's mission and and uh, what mm-hmm. what got you actually started there. So let's just you know we'll talk about what uh, Piedmont was when you first started teaching there.
1: Okay. Well, just. Uh give a little background about me. Um, I have a business degree. I started working in banking and I worked at three different banks before I had both of my children. And then I wanted the opportunity to stay home with them for five years. So I I started staying home and we moved to Gastonia, North Carolina, and I thoroughly enjoyed my five years, but I wanted to get out of that house so bad, I was ready to go to work, but I didn't want to go back into banking. I was looking for a new career opportunity, and and I was praying about that daily. Um, so when my daughter started kindergarten, I um started looking for an opportunity to substitute teach. So I applied at the local school system. And I actually made business cards and I took them around to all the schools and asked if I could hand them out to the teachers or if the receptionist would give it to the teachers. And um, I also handed some out to Piedmont Community Charter School. One of my friend's children went there and I really didn't know anything about this school. Um, but I did know that I wanted an option for my son because the district we were in, the middle school, uh, was questionable and I wasn't sure I wanted him to go there, so I was also, you know, trying to find, just like all of our parents, a different option for my kids. I couldn't afford private school, but I wanted to see what was out there, so I started substitute teaching, and after a couple of months, I thought, you know what? I think I can do this. I'm enjoying this, and uh, I loved the hours. I loved having, you know, think the thought of having summers off, so, um, I got a call from Piedmont to substitute teach, and gosh, by January of that year, they had a teacher assistant position open, and I was offered that, and it was with sixth grade. Now, mind you, when I was in school, I hated math, (laughs) so... In working with this class as a teacher assistant, it was sixth grade, um, I I was helping the kids with math. It's like it just all came back to me, and I was really enjoying it. So that summer, the school director called me and said, hey, we just had a fifth grade teacher quit. I think you'd be a great uh, fifth grade teacher. And I said, well, what subjects? He said, math and science. I said, absolutely. I definitely want to do that. So I had to start going to school at Belmont Abbey. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> at night and you know teaching during the day so I did that for a couple of years and then I immediately started my master's degree in school administration I I really found my passion felt like that's exactly what my purpose was uh, was to teach students and then hopefully eventually go into administration because oh I love Figuring out how to help a child learn. And my son, this is really what got me interested in teaching, was my son had a hard time learning how to read. And when he got to the first grade, his uh, teacher called me in and said, Jennifer, I think your son's going to be retained in the first grade. And I was like, What do you mean? He was here for kindergarten. The teacher never said anything to me. And she said, no, he's he's just not um, progressing like he should. He didn't learn everything he needed to in kindergarten. I said, well, I tell you what, if you'll tell me what to do with him for one hour every day, I will do it. And she did. And by the end of that year, he was reading fabulously, he had the most, had the highest AR points in his whole class. And I, I cried. I mean, I remember the day he learned how to read or he was so, no, I'm sorry. I got a little nervous there. Uh, I remember the day that he um read his first book by himself. And it's still, I still get emotional because I, I have that mm. mental visual image um of him doing that.
0: Wow. I, I love that story because I know it's going to resonate with a lot of educators. Right. I mean, that's why a lot of us got into the role is because maybe a family member or we saw, or maybe we weren't we didn't feel we were helped, you know, when we were in school and we wanted to make an impact and make a difference. So here you are, you've got your business uh, degree. And then you're like, hey, let me try to substitute teaching thing. And oh, I like this. And then you go back to school. So you're working full time, you're back to school, you're, you're a mom, right? And and, and so he got all that. So then administration is the next step. So so and then you talked about how you landed at Piedmont is you kind of came in as a sub and then you came in as an assistant Then you came in as a, as a sixth grade teacher. Was that the next step?
1: Fifth, fifth grade teacher. Fifth grade and teacher. Uh, I also was after my second year, but was made the curriculum coordinator wow. <laughs> and uh, I, I, <laughs> I facilitated the alignment to uh, the core knowledge curriculum. Mm-hmm. And we actually, me and a couple of other teachers, went to some other schools and taught them how to do that alignment. Also, Um, I really learned a lot about resources and how our, our teachers did not have all the resources that they needed. I mean, especially kindergarten. So I started, you know, two grades or two subjects a year, really getting in the materials that we needed so over a three-year period we had all of the core knowledge materials that our our teachers needed for every subject so that you know that was a lot of fun honestly
0: yeah and that so so for folks who don't know you know core knowledge is a is a widely used you know curriculum a lot of charter schools adopt it right it doesn't always necessarily align exactly to the state you know standards so you got to do some work there so what you were doing is you were taking a pretty young uh, charter school and really starting to build a solid foundational base of academics using the mm-hmm. core knowledge as your basic uh, uh you know uh, curriculum and what i love about you uh, jennifer you're like me we're you know we're we're both uh, junkies when it comes to learning so i just <laughs> i hear you like a, my second year i was already curriculum coordinator and i was you know doing this work but i was growing into the person that i needed to be to not only know and understand the curriculum but how do i teach other adults Mm -hmm. out to. So can you talk about that, you know, a process? What was some of your learning as you were growing yourself and saying, this isn't just for me, I got to help other adults and the whole school, you know, to be able to do this?
1: Well, I mean, I was on a steep learning curve because, you know, I didn't have a background in education at all. I mean, honestly, if somebody would have told me the year before I started teaching that, I would be teaching and doing all these things and running this school. I would have laughed (laughs) out of the room because I had zero interest Mm -hmm. in education whatsoever before I actually did it. Um, so I, I learned a lot very quickly. I remember I was uh, my school director sent me to the elementary school, uh, conference that the state used to have. Mm -hmm. And I went to a session by, that Kathy Bumgarden was doing. And I knew that she used to teach here in uh, Gaston County and was a big, you know, trainer ter- known to turn schools around and all. And I was just amazed at what she was teaching us. And it's like, the, you know, the light bulbs were coming off about how to teach reading. And I read the book, Mosaic of Thought. And I'm going to be honest with you. I It's like reading comprehension really, came fully to me after reading mosaic of thought and learning how you know my brain works and how to teach children how their brains work it's just all so important and I was just devouring you know everything I could possibly learn Um, and what I realized is in your teacher ed programs they don't really teach your teachers how to teach reading we have to teach them yeah. how to teach reading. And so professional development, I learned very early on is, is very important, but going to conferences, I mean, that, that can be nice and fun and kind of introductory, but you don't really get a big bang for your buck, sending somebody to a conference you've got to bring, or I feel like we've been successful because we have brought professional development in-house. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned early on that if I went to the training I knew how to better communicate with the teachers and to make sure it was being implemented. So that's something we continue. Our administrators know if there is a professional development session on their campus, one of the school directors has to be in that training because it will not get implemented if it's not um, supported by the administration, because it's, it's hard to implement something new. But what I've found is we have always majorly benefited from it by, um, you know, having that model.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you love, you know, John Maxwell, like I do. Right. And so he uh, he's always talking about, you know, leadership isn't taught, you know, leadership is caught. So what I just heard you uh-huh. say is, yeah, sending people to a conference is good, but there has to be application. And when you bring it in-house, when you bring an expert like, you know, Kathy, or I know Mm -hmm. you've got some other math experts, maybe we'll, you know, you bring experts into your building so the whole staff, right, or Mm -hmm. a good, you know, chunk of them can can really catch what is what we're trying to do here. And then Mm -hmm. I know it's a big part of your um Your administrative team, you know, when they go into classrooms, they're looking for those pieces and they give feedback specifically, right? It's on your walkthrough protocols or it's, can you talk a little bit about how you take now that professional development and make sure it's applied and, you know, because mastery takes time, right? It's not just, you know, one and done is what I hear you saying.
1: Well, a couple of years ago, we created a literacy specialist um, position and she started out in the elementary school for like two years. She knew that I wanted her position to grow into middle school, and that has happened now. So we really got um, PLCs embedded uh, in our you know, weekly practice, and that is where they talk about all the things that they've learned with the math training or the reading training and, and their planning. And so um, the school directors also they do their best to attend those grade level plc meetings and then we also have um you know the mtss meetings also where they're they're talking about uh the goals for all of their students and all the interventions that they're doing so we've just got a great process in place and we really could not do it without that literacy specialist
2: yeah And
0: correct me if I'm wrong, like you pretty much bring in the same people year after year, right? You're really trying to deepen and layer the learning rather than what we sometimes see in education is, hey, let's, you know, bring in this expert one time and then the next year Mm -hmm. we're off to someone else. I mean, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to master anything. Mm -hmm. So it's really also takes a lot of that learning. And and so how so how have you so okay so let's, you know, go back. So. Now you're teaching fifth grade and then you, then you get moved to, you know, a curriculum coordinator and eventually you become an administrator at the school, right? When did that happen?
1: I was actually curriculum coordinator while I was teaching. Um, I think... (laughs) I worked like two periods a day on the curriculum coordination, and then I even worked during the summer and and didn't get paid because I wanted to. I just wanted to get that alignment done. Um, But then I became, after four years of teaching, I um, became the assistant principal at the elementary campus. And um, at that time, we had through eighth grade in that same building. But um, I mean, it, it was a great experience. I, you know, that's where I really learned how to put teams together, you know, to look at every teacher's strength and instead of trying to fix weaknesses, tried to identify everybody's strengths and build uh, teaching teams that way. And I also tried to balance them with, you know, a retired teacher And beginning teachers, I always tried to pair beginning teachers um, with people with a lot of experience and um, so we could grow them. You know, it it really is all about figuring out, you know, where they are and where and their areas of growth. And we all kind of help each other.
0: I love it. So at this time, Piedmont Community Charter, you are a K-8 or you're K-12 at this point?
1: Uh we were growing the high school it yeah, was not so you're, yeah, so you're still yes you're still trying to
0: build it right so you're building it as you go and i love what you talked about building a team that completes right so you got you know different types of individuals with different styles and experiences and and really understanding that you can't just build teams by just throwing people together right? it needs chemistry uh-huh. right it uh-huh. needs cohesion it needs uh-huh. clarity and 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 so you were already doing this i mean how did you learn how to do this at that time? I mean, you're, you're a very young admin at this time. I mean, what, where did you pick that up?
1: I honestly don't (laughs) know. I mean, it evidently was just in me. I, and I just didn't know it. I just kind of discovered it. And, um, you know, communication is, is big, but And it's not just how you communicate, you've got to make sure they understand what you're saying, because, you know, everybody perceives uh, what you say differently. So I learned early on that I had to spend more time than I thought was necessary to make sure they were comprehending what I thought I was, you know, Mm -hmm. very clearly communicating. And, you know, even to this day, and, you know, I've been here, this will be my 21st year working at the school um you know i'm very highly aware that if i communicate something i need to do it three different ways three different times whether it's you know parents staff um my admin meetings i mean we like we type up admin notes uh it's just a running document for the year this year so if the administrators need to go back and look at something we discussed we make sure you know everything is um in there but communication is probably the toughest part of the job
0: it's by far the most important skill that i think leaders need i mean the Mm -hmm. lack of the lack of communication that connects with people is just the number one you know challenge that i see in the in the broken Mm -hmm. relationships and and the lack of execution at times right so Mm -hmm. so here you are learning how to do it you're growing teams Um, and, and, and then you're moving into administration. You've got your administrative, uh, you know, degree, you're understanding that teams need to complete each other. We can't have the same, you know, personalities and we need to build and We need to be intentional with our professional development, right? So you're learning all these pieces, Mm -hmm. schools growing to K-12. Um, and then at that point, you know, you know, a little bit after that, I guess, you know, the school's going through some challenges and you get promoted to the interim, executive director or head of school at that time I'm not sure what the title was
1: head of school yeah
0: yeah of of uh of two you know campuses you know a school that was k-12 and had probably what seven or eight hundred students or were are we up to a thousand at that
1: point um, uh yeah we were up to actually twelve hundred
0: okay at, all that right. time. yeah mm-hmm. so you're already over a thousand at that point all right great so and then you got you know because right now you're an organization that serves how many uh, total students
1: Nineteen hundred six.
0: Nineteen, and you got two over two hundred employees, I think, on the three campuses, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so now we've got a here to there conversation. (laughs) How did you get right? How did you start to know and understand? Okay, for me to get from here to there, for us to expand, you know, because now you're in this beautiful high school facility as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got some, I love, I didn't, I don't think I knew that you had all that banking experience, but it makes sense because you're so great with the uh, finances and making good, you know, plans financially and, uh, you know, decisions. So now you're in charge of three campuses, 30 plus million dollars in assets, right? 200, you know, plus employees, 1900 kids that's, you know, 3,800 parents, right, that's, you know, 7,600 grandparents, I mean, so can you kind of walk us through what you, how you were able to start to make that move, you know, forward um, to get to, you know, I don't know if you ever imagined that this is where you would be, but I mean, what was, you know, what were those first, you you know, uh, steps, you know, moving the school from a good school to now the highest performing school in your area?
1: Well, um, you know, it starts out with working very closely with my board of directors and my board president at the time. I mean, we started having board training. When I became head of school, we started having board training every July and we have continued that. Uh, And we also have strategic planning in the fall. And that's really where it all came about. You know, we sat down um, on Saturdays and said, you know, what is it What is it we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? How big can we get? What's the best way to do it? You know, how many, we want to build a high school because we knew we were going to run out of space at the second uh, location. I mean, it it was a matter of time within three years. If we maintained our enrollment, we would not have anywhere to put all of the high school kids at the New Hope Road location. So we spent a lot of time, um, you know, analyzing our budget, um, you know, cutting where we could, making sure we were not wasting money anywhere. Uh, My CFO and I, Claire Wilson, we met with all of our vendors and we, you know, looked at six different 401k plans we looked at all these different insurance plans we met i sat down with um a local hvac company and said look i need a group of people that i can trust to tell me what's going on with my hvac to you know look at all the roofs on the facilities um I got to get things under control because I mean, they really weren't. The facilities were not under control. And so that company still works with us today. Um, but we we literally redid, got new vendors, new vendor contracts, accounting firm, we got a new accounting firm, and we got all of our expenses under control except for one. and that was the um health insurance. Mm-hmm. So we knew we needed to, because when we ran the budget projections, the the rising cost of our health insurance was gonna keep us from being able to get a loan to finance the building, because it was just out of control and unpredictable. So we contacted John Torbett, Representative John Torbett for our area and asked him to write a bill so we could be included in the state health plan. <laughs> and unbeknownst to us, some other organization, had written a bill that would give that year or the next two years or something for charter schools, if they wanted to join the state health program, they could. Mm. So uh, we were watching as the the legislature.
0: You have to, you have to start within your first six months or you have to make that decision pretty quick when you open up. Okay. Got
1: it. Because what was happening with us, our insurance costs were going up every year minimum 20 percent. And then that last year, before we went to the state health plan, it was going to go up 40 percent, ended up being maybe 35. And we're like, you know, we just can't maintain this. Um, So we got on the state health plan as soon as it was approved. And this is kind of funny. After it got approved and we saw the legislation was passed, Claire immediately called the state health plan and they're like, what are you talking about? We don't know anything about this. And she's like, well, we want to be first on the list.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but at that point, we knew we could build the high school. We knew that we could financially build the high school. And then and then that process uh, started. And luckily, our board president uh, was an architect. Mm. So he led us masterfully through um, the financial planning and the uh, building. Yeah.
0: All right. So I want to pause there because there's so much that you just shared and I know this is natural to you, but so what I heard is look, cash is the oxygen that drives charter school success. It just is you need it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, folks think you could just go out there and, and raise money and write grants. Well, You need grant writers and, you know, people who can raise money to do that. So the Mm -hmm. first way to be able to build more cash is to look at how we're spending our current cash. Mm -hmm. So you brought experts around you. You started to reevaluate the services that were coming to your school. Mm -hmm. Um, You took the time, right? Okay, how much money, because you wanted to put that money towards expansion, but also people development too, you know, because I know you you have a, a giant professional development line item which a lot of schools are professional development item is like less than their water and sewer and trash. Right. So it's like, you got to you got to invest in your people, not in all those other utilities. So, so you did that and then your board got uh, stronger, right. Cause then you started to recruit board members intentionally about expansion. Here's where we're going. And your board chair had this amazing, you know, talent and skill. And every year you all have been intentional for, I know at least the last eight years of having this, Annual strategic retreat. Mm-hmm. Talk about this is this is what the goals we set last year. This is mm-hmm. where we are. This is where we still see ourselves in the future. Um, so then you were able to get that great US TA loan, right?
1: No, nope, we got educational bond loans.
0: Oh, educational bond loan. All right. Mm-hmm. And that was able to help you secure this uh, amazing facility. And I'll make sure I drop a link in here so folks can see the, you know see the pictures and please come and see the school, because it's just amazing, Uh, where now you have three campuses, 1,900 students, um, you know, uh, serving there, and you, and then, and then you also have a wait list K-12 as well,
1: right? Absolutely, yeah, I mean, even after the 20th day, we still have a thousand people on the wait list.
0: I love it, right, yeah, we're not talking about downtown Charlotte, everybody, like, this is out, outside, it's another county outside, so it's not a megapolis, but But, you know, people want to come work now for you, you know, with Mm -hmm. you and and with what you're doing, and so you've really grown your administrative team over this time too right because at one point you used to be um, (laughs) at one point you know you were like in charge of everything, and now Um, you've grown, now you've grown a team you know where you have you know principals on every uh, campus and they have assistant principals working under them so as you're moving up and you're growing your the organization, you realize I can't do it alone. So, can you talk about how how have you started to recruit your team and build your team? Because I know you know your high school principal, Ernie. I mean, he was key in really growing and improving that you know high school. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, so, what were some ways you started to really go find a talent around you?
1: Well, um, we knew when we hire when we hire assistant principals we're very intentional. Is this somebody, you know, that could, that we can grow into a director position? I mean, we we look at it long-term, you know, I'm not just hiring for the moment, I'm hiring for the future. Um, And, you know, since we do have a good reputation in the community, when we post an assistant principal job, we do get a lot of applications. And um, we've just been very, very fortunate um, to get the ones that we have. And when we hired Pam Huffstetler as an assistant principal, we hired her with the intent that she would take over when Mr. Bridges retired. So it has been a flawless uh, transition. Yeah. And, um, you know, I moved up Sheila Richards from the elementary school to run the middle school. Uh, she has two great Assistant principals, and now Miss White. She, um, she. Sometimes we hire within, and sometimes we hire um, outside of the school. You know, it just depends on the need at the time and um, who can best fill it and who's ready.
0: I love it. Yep. So there's a lot of intentionality around it. You're looking for leadership capacity in people.
1: Mm -hmm. But at one
0: point you weren't the most sought after organization. So is there any Mm -hmm. key things that you believe you did to really improve the reputation of of your organization where folks were now, you know, they wanted to come to you rather you have to go to them?
1: Yes, I think, um, there's a lot of things I've done over time, you know, to help grow the school. And when I was, um, an assistant principal, I kind of took on the responsibility of starting marketing. So I would create, we, we did a parent meeting every month. I did. I ran a parent meeting every month. Sometimes, um, you know, the school director would do it, but for the most part, I did those parent meetings and I would send out invitations to the local um, daycare centers, boys and girls club. And I would go around and meet like the daycare centers, you know, because so, I wanted those, the parents of those four-year-olds to know that we existed. Yeah, And I would put, you know, on the flyers that we have a parent meeting, you know, the second Tuesday of every month. And people came every month, you know. And once we got big, now I only do them uh, in January, February, and March. But because of COVID, you know, we've only done virtual Uh, the past couple of years, but I do want to have, hopefully this year, two in-person ones, and then just record it, and send it out to everybody that applies, but I can tell you, we went from, when we went to an online lottery system, our applications almost doubled, Mm. because parents didn't have to, you know, come by the school to pick up an application, so that, going to lotteries, really really boosted our applications
0: yeah so you got out of your office you made partnerships with local organizations you know community centers i know you did some work Mm -hmm. i think with the y Um, you're a member of the rotary right it's a very distinguished yeah the rotary so you're out there you're out in the community you all did a billboard at a minor league baseball stadium too right was that one of your uh, branding pieces and Mm -hmm. so all this continuous um you know folks are starting to see Piedmont, like they're starting Mm -hmm. to, what is this, what is this, you know, charter. you know, with the Patriot on it, like, what, what is this, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, branding is really important. And it made me think about, you know, I'm working with a couple of charter schools that didn't make their enrollment goals this year. And I thought about, I was like, you know, district schools, kids are just assigned, right? Unless you're a magnet school, and even they have a trouble. But as a charter school leader, you have to understand that you are a brand. And you're Mm -hmm reputation is critical in the community and everybody who's in your organization is branding your school, your board members, your students, your families. So they're your top, top, you know, recruitment tool. So as you're growing to 2000 kids and, and, and that's a lot of you know, people talking about Piedmont out there in the community. And that's really important, you know. So, um, you know, when you got your crest on and you got your athletic wear on, they're, you know, looking at that, and 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 that's what's also going to grow your school. But you also need to be good, right? You got to get good too. You can't just have a nice logo. You actually have to have some really strong, tangible evidences, you know. So, going back to your, uh, you know, uh, strategic planning, there was academic parts, there was expansion parts, there was mm-hmm. what were some some of the other areas. Of the focused in your here to there uh, journey, um, right? So uh, professional development we've talked about hiring qualified teachers, getting great leaders, aligning the curriculum, right? I mean, so you, you you've done all these pieces. Is there anything else that was really critical in your journey?
1: Yes uh getting stakeholder feedback mm. and uh we put a we have a process in place and we use the um used to be called advanced ed but cognia now is the um accreditation agency that's the other thing we did uh when i was principal or was i assistant principal when i was assistant principal at the elementary school i led our SACS accreditation and it took us a, a two-year process uh, but we got our initial accreditation and and I really wanted that for us to have that that recognition, you know, that we were serious. We were reaching to those higher standards and um, we have renewed that twice since then. And um, also we our board created committees, So we have a finance committee that meets uh, all the committees just about meet the week before the board meeting. So we have fi- finance committee. We have enrichment where we look at data and statistics and um, discuss what's going on in the school Uh, but that we have parents on there, board members and uh, like one administrator from each campus we have a governance committee and they look at policy they you know they meet once a month also we need to start uh, reviewing our policies and updating them this year i think we're going to start with uh, you know our personnel policies and then do student policies um there. i know i know there's something else we've had a safety committee before uh but also it's important to get that as part of enrichment that is the stakeholder mm-hmm. feedback and we do that every march i send those cognia surveys out and then i sit down with the administrators and we go through it and we're like right. okay Let's, you know, not take this personal because <laughs> it does ask you like two positive. What do you like best about the school? What would be a suggestion? You know, what do you not like? Right. And I'm like, you know, some of these things might sting, but we need to we need to yeah. read it. And yeah. one thing I read in this past years from the students, um, you know, we didn't have enough stuff on the walls. Well, you know, it was COVID. We were trying to survive. So Miss Huffstetler, she and mrs uh richards at the middle school um both and i think it was miss richards idea first they took pictures and made got big canvases made of pictures of their students oh, and they hung them all over the it. walls and positive um, messages also. Uh, so that's something we got from the survey. And then I saw that the high school kids were wanting to wear blue jeans. So I went to the governance committee and I said, I kind of have a wild idea. You know, we need to change. I would like to tra- change the dress code so that it's a little different from middle school to high school. So they have something to look forward to because we already have a, a change, some changes from elementary to middle And I said, I just want those middle school kids to look forward to maybe wearing blue jeans. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be great for the morale of the kids. It would make them feel more like everybody else in the community. And so we did implement that and they absolutely love wearing blue jeans.
0: Uh, Awesome. Yeah, that that makes them feel heard, right? I mean, that's really important. I love that you're using the same survey every year and you're getting continuous, consistent feedback. I mean, it's a big part... You know, culture is based upon rituals and stories and ceremonies. Well, this is part of your ritual. Every year we get feedback. Every year we sit down. I heard you tell one of our leaders in the inner circle after your, you know, a 20th day of ADM, we're going to sit down and look at it. We're going to start our marketing plan for next year, right? I mean, you are just continuous. So when Mm -hmm. you've got things, I guess, in some sort of like, uh, you know, like a strategic calendar almost, right? We know when it's this time to do things. I know it's up top, right? But when (laughs) we know when we do things, right, this is when we do, right? We we evaluate Mm -hmm. and that's where growth comes from. It's not about experience. It's not about doing things. It's evaluative experience. So you're taking, Mm -hmm. here's the initiative. This is what we did. And you're saying, what went well? What went wrong? What do we need to do differently next time? And you're continuous at this you know, mm-hmm. uh, phases of growth. I love it. It's really, really important. If you're going to grow an organization the way you have, you have to continuously look at your current reality and mm-hmm. take those next steps, you know, and say, yeah, this, some of this hurts, but it's, our, it's it's a fact, but it's not truth. We can change some of these things. We can improve. That's right. Yeah. Can. Excellent.
1: I, I can definitely see a difference, especially at the high school this year. Um, it's just been a whole lot calmer beginning to the school year. And, um, I, I think it was the right thing to do to yeah. add the jeans.
0: And you're very transparent with your board. You you share. Mm-hmm. You give some really great reports, and all of your board meetings are actually on your YouTube page, which I actually directed someone there. recently he said, I want to watch a good board meeting. I sent them to your YouTube page. I said, Hey, here's one you can watch all the time, and 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 they're making good decisions. And you've really, really uh, grown that. So. There's one thing I don't think I ever heard you mention your communications team, because that's a really big part, I think, of your growth as well, that you have someone intentionally that their job on campus is to communicate internally and external pieces. Can you talk a little bit about how that came?
1: Yes. Well, back when um, we started strategic planning, we talked about, well, each of our board committees, kind of did a study of what we were doing and you know looking at survey data and one thing that came out of that was that we needed a communications coordinator position so we started out uh and it was eight years ago uh with someone part-time and she stayed with us and did a great job for a while uh and then when she decided she didn't want the you know she didn't want to work anymore in that area she'd actually gotten a master's and was going to go work at another school uh at a college level communication and uh I hired, well, we already had a technology facilitator and she is incredible, but her background was in journalism. And so I went to her and I said, how would? How about <laughs> you take on an additional responsibility uh, as communications coordinator? I said, you know, you're such a good writer and she really is incredible. I said, I think you can do it in a small amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're already meeting with the teachers weekly. All you have to do is say, Hey, do you have anything for me for Facebook? And just let that be an additional part of your job. Of course, we, you know, renegotiated her salary and all she's doing a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job. I, I hardly have to proofread anything. She does. She's (laughs) such a great writer. And, and, you know, we sit, down at the beginning of the year and kind of talk about what what we want to see and um, this year I want more of a focus on our our mission and our core values you know being talked about Uh, because we have so many new kids and we're finally out of COVID and so many new parents I feel like we've just got to put more of an emphasis on mission and core values and include that in some of our announcements and our Sunday night messages on our Facebook post And just really educate um, our new staff members, our new parents, and our our new students. You know, one thing I do miss about being a teacher is is I love teaching. But now I teach adults. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, I'm still teaching. I'm just teaching adults.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's what (laughs) leaders do. I mean, you know, you are constantly developing the people around you and working yourself out of a job right you're just building succession mm-hmm. and i love that you had intentionality around that Because 85 percent of people check their social media within 10 minutes of waking up right so imagine everybody out there mm-hmm. if every day if you got your parents to follow your your instagram or every morning they're getting hit with a core value message right a highlight of maybe of their child about how their how the school is you know impacting them. I mean that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I love what you do, and I'm you know one of your followers. So I totally enjoy seeing all the messages. Right. So another great way to uh, communicate your uh, why you exist, right, and how we behave as an organization. Those are the top two questions to organizational clarity of the six. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Why Why do we exist? This is our mission. We are a college preparatory who uses core knowledge, right? New classical, mm-hmm. all, all these pieces. This is, and then this is how we behave. These are our core values. And this is what our core values look like when our mm-hmm. kids do them or when our adults do them. And we're highlighting those. So mm-hmm. but we just got a couple minutes here. So I, so you talked about, um, what was the name, name of the book? You said it was the mosaic of thought. Is that?
1: Yeah. I okay. read that many, many years ago.
0: So what are you reading now? What are you reading and learning now?
1: what am I reading and learning now? Well, would you believe, here it is. I moved it over here. I have started this.
0: <laughs> right. got the 21 laws. I love it. Yeah. The 21 <laughs> laws of irrefutable leadership. And I don't know if you've gotten to law one, right? But law one is the law of the lid. And it's just that the leaders are the lid to the success of their organization. So if you don't grow yourself, you're not going to be able to grow your organization.
1: That is exactly right. And I. there is one thing I do want to mention that we haven't talked about. Before. And, you know, as a leader, you don't, you have to get to a point where you do not let your problems derail you. You cannot get so emotionally upset over a problem that you let it derail you and rip you of your confidence in yourself. So I had to start thinking, all right, I get confronted with a problem. The first thing I say to myself is, I'm gonna learn something from this. I'm gonna learn something from this that is gonna make us better. I'm gonna learn something from this that's gonna make me better, but it's not gonna get the best of me. Mm -hmm. And once we figure it out, we'll put a new process in place, so that it never happens again and that's just something that a leader has to constantly do.
0: Yeah, that's a that's an incredible message and we're going to end there because I I don't think I could top that. And that's that is a such a key important piece and that's how you've gotten from here to there honestly, right? You you have you've taken every challenge head on. And you said, well, I need to learn and I need to grow. And then then I need to teach the people around me and we're going to probably mess up some things, but we're going to learn from them and we're just going to build a better system and a plan. And what ultimately what I love that you've done, you know, I mean, 21 years in one organization is incredible. So hands off because you are an anomaly, especially in charter school world. Uh, But you have grown and built a team where where Piedmont is going to be successful for, you know, decades to come and continue to serve generations of kids Mm -hmm. and kids that you're graduating now will be the next level of teachers and leaders in the organization. And, and um, you've improved your uh, county and community. I mean, there's so many pieces that you're doing. So um, I hope you take the time to recognize uh, that you are an impactful leader. You've made an impact on me. And you've made an impact on, I know, all of our other principals that you help in our inner circle and in our other groups, you're always very kind to lend a hand. And um, I know you're advanced ed, you go to other schools and you you help them, you know, kind of think through their challenges. And mm-hmm. so you are a constant um, model of growth. And that's what that's what leaders need to be. So now there is one more thing. Do you do you want to celebrate the the um, you've got the five and it's, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you look over Jennifer's shoulder, she's got East oh. Carolina and upstate and, and UNC Charlotte. So take us through those real quick so we can celebrate all these other accomplishments for you you and your family.
1: Okay, well, these pennants represent zero debt in st- college student loans.
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which, which we should all strive for, that's right. That's
1: right. So yeah. my father paid for me to go to USC upstate. It was called USC Spartanburg. I paid for University of Phoenix and Belmont Abbey College because I had to go to Belmont Abbey to get my teaching credentials. Right. And then University of Phoenix for my master's in um, school leadership. And then my son went to UNC Charlotte and my daughter went to East Carolina. So after I Sold my house and paid <laughs> off all the debt. I got pennants and hung them on the wall.
0: Smart. I love it. yeah. so <laughs> you've got so you've got your uh, you know with your banking, you know degree or your business degree, then you got your education, and then you have your administration and your two amazing children, uh, also, you know college graduates. So again, just building that legacy as we go. so everybody, i'll I'll put the link in uh, to the school, but if if you get a chance, you know, go to, um, go to is it pcccharter.org PCC and
1: then you'll org.
0: yep you'll learn more about the school about their academics about their programming you know we you know we could spend nine or ten hours really you know dive in deep but come and you know visit the school um, make a donation to 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 their expansion programmings and you know jennifer mm-hmm. team will uh, give you some time and and really really show you how to take an organization from here to there it's all about getting clear with your vision, having a strategy, building your team, right? Got to put the mm-hmm. adults around you and mm-hmm. you got to grow them as you're growing um, as well. And know that it's, it's not going to run smoothly <laughs> nothing worthwhile, is, uh, mm-hmm. right? Everything worthwhile is uphill, right? So no one's going to coast to a success. And I know you've had had some bumps and bruises, but you guys are so much better for it. So thanks for giving us time and and adding in, in incredible value so uh, you know jennifer Killen, everybody check her out everybody and congratulate her and her team on their uh, success so
1: thank you tom and all you've done for us we appreciate it.
2: hey thanks for listening to our podcast everybody i just want to take another 30 seconds of your time you may not know but i just wrote a book and i want to give it to you because you're one of our loyal listeners Uh, This book is the 10 Indicators of High-Performing Charter Schools, and this book is based upon my almost 20 years now of charter school leadership experience and school leadership experience and research, and it's got great best practices and resources that I've learned from the best school leaders across the globe, and I want to put it in your hands. So here's all you need to do. Go to our website at lbleaders.com, lbleaders.com. And at the very top you're going to see a green bar go ahead and click on that bar and you can just put your email address in there and the book will be in your hands in a matter of seconds now once you get the book there's an assessment we have created this assessment for you for you to take a look at your school because remember the leaders first job is to identify the current reality so this is going to be a great assessment for you to take based upon the 10 indicators and then you'll immediately get a response you will get your score and you'll get um, an opportunity for you to to put your score on a great visual so you can sit with your team and talk about hey where where do we need to improve okay So all those things are free to you because of you being a member of our uh, Principal Office Podcast. So go to the website lbleaders.com, click on the link to get your copy of our latest book. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.